0: Hey everyone! Welcome to today's episode of Period Story. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to share some exciting news with you all. We've been nominated for best podcast in the Creative Impact Awards. If you'd like to vote for us, go to www.creativeimpact.group/awards. Thank you so much. Your vote means so much. Hi, I'm Linise Brothers, a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone and menstrual cycle coach and the founder of Eat Love Move, a nutrition and well-being practice. This is the Period Story Podcast, where in each episode, I sit down with a guest to talk about their period story. We get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods and so much more. Now, on to today's guest. On today's episode, we have Karen Arthur, a 57-year-old woman flourishing through menopause. She is a fashion designer, sewing tutor, stylist, and speaker with a bit of modeling thrown in for variety. Karen enables women to harness the power of fashion to support good mental well-being through the hashtag #WearYourHappy on social media. She's penned an e-book called Eight Ways to Where You're Happy as a helpful guide. Karen speaks publicly on fashion and mental well-being, aging, and loneliness. Finally, Karen is also a co-founder of Craft Moves, a social initiative committed to ending loneliness amongst London's commuters through handheld craft. Welcome to the show.
1: Ah, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: I'm so happy to have you on the show. So let's start off by getting into the story of your first period. Can you share with us what happened?
1: yeah, um yes, yeah. so I was fourteen, and um my I went to the loo as normal and uh, I sat down and uh, looked in my panties and realized, and in the toilet itself and realized there was blood there, and I panicked and I screamed for my mother we'd never had these conversations, we never talked about um periods. I just knew it had something to do with being pregnant. So I have younger siblings, um, two boys, two brothers and a sister. And uh, of course they came running as well, but I wouldn't, obviously wouldn't let them in. I just wanted my mum to come in. And she got, uh, scrabbled around and got a, a massive pad for me which she's told me to put in my knickers, which meant, which I hated wearing because it made me look like I just walked like I'd just gotten off a horse. And, um, my, the next, so yeah. So I think my sister had asked one of my brothers what was going on. And he'd said something like, Oh, it's something to do with being pregnant. So, that would have been fine, except that the next day when I went into school uh everybody thought that I was pregnant because my sister had told everyone um that I was pregnant because I'd had my period um, she didn't understand i didn't understand um so yeah i the first my first experience was actually quite um scary, if anything <laughs> because it just felt so I felt like I was a grown up but at the same time, I didn't feel that way. I, I knew it was something to do with growing up, but not a lot else. Um, so yeah, that's my f- first experience.
0: And how old did you say you
1: were?: So I was 14 years old, uh, just of yeah, just coming up to my 14th birthday, and I realized that my mother was 14 when she started a period. I think my sister was as well, and both my daughters were.
0: Oh, that's so that's so interesting. Mm. And you said that your sister went into school and told everyone that you were pregnant. How did you feel about that?
1: Well, I was shocked at first, but then I realized it was quite funny. She was tiny. She was like what is it? What's the difference between us? So she would have been about eight. She didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. And I don't think anybody took her seriously. So yeah, it was fine.
0: You had that first experience, which you said was a little scary. And how did you learn about what was actually going on? How did you learn that you weren't actually pregnant?
1: I talked to my friends. I talked to, I read books. We certainly didn't learn it at school definitely did not learn it our sex education was the teacher showing us a picture of a, a video of a woman giving birth and basically saying it's just putting me off uh ever having sex at all um so yeah i learned yeah, I learned through chatting to my friends. I had two worldly friends, Joy and Catherine, and knew everything there was to know about sex way before I even ventured there. Uh, and they and they'd had their, they'd been having their periods since they were about eleven or twelve, which in those days, we're talking early seventies, was unusual. I understand it's more common for young women to have their periods in primary school, but in those days, that was not a thing. And I know that. Certainly, my two worldly friends had started their periods quite early.
0: So you're learning through your, your friends. Do you, if you think back to what you learned, and then think back, thinking about what you know now, was there anything that was there any big myths that they were sharing? Any, um, or do you think everything that they were talking about was basically correct?
1: no I don't I think um we didn't talk a lot about it because I was squeamish we didn't talk about these things you you didn't mention it was blood and it was embarrassing and it was yeah we didn't have a long conversation about it it was just that they reassured me that I couldn't possibly be pregnant because I wasn't the Virgin Mary and I hadn't had sex so that was that really um in terms of it being truthful the the biggest myth I got from them wasn't about periods; it was about getting pregnant. And that they they said they disabused me of the notion that you if a, if you sit on a toilet seat after a boy's been in there that you wouldn't get pregnant because I thought that was a thing until I was in second year.
0: Why do you think you were so squeamish and so embarrassed?
1: Because, like most things to do with women, we didn't talk about it. It was taboo. You you didn't, my, my, okay, so my father was a preacher, so that wasn't happening. We weren't having conversations about bodily fluids and anything, really. He left around the same time anyway. And um, you just didn't talk about it. No one spoke about it. It was the, it was the, un, it's like menopause, same thing. You just didn't talk amongst yourselves. It was a, it was like a little secret, like a taboo secret. Certainly, my mother and I never discussed it. I remember, I remember buying those little Lillette tampons. Cute little things, they are. Thinking, oh, I'll, you know, um, try one of those. And I read in Jackie that you couldn't lose your virginity by putting a tampon up your bits. Um, so I tried it. It was so painful. My goodness me. My goodness I thought they were the devil, so I used pads for ages. Um, yeah, it was pads all the way for me.
0: you didn't learn, really learn about mental health through in school. You said the school didn't really teach it. you read you spoke to your friends and you kind of got a cursory knowledge of what was happening. but you also said that you had read some books. What were the books that you had read at the time?
1: Now I think about it they won 't have been books, will they? They will have been magazines. I was heavily into jackie um, the um the problem page um, I learned a lot of my things to do with relationships, sex, and periods through the problem page, but it was usually about it was usually around shame, so it was girls who'd worn white and had a leak and what to do um that kind of thing so yeah, it was so. When I think about it, if I did read a book, no, it will have been magazines. Now I think about it, yeah. You
0: mentioned the word shame. Why do you think you? And you've also said that people didn't talk about it. It was embarrassing. It was shameful. What does that mean for you? Like, how would you? I'm talking about shame a bit with other women on this podcast. What does that word mean for you? And how would you kind of unpack those feelings now?
1: I would say that growing up anything to do with women or my body was something that I wouldn't discuss and it meant that when it came to it was just a giggle like if you talked about things like this it was funny you made a joke out of it to kind of lighten the mood it meant I took it into my relationships actually it meant that I never asked my partner to go and get me tampons or pads. I wasn't in the greatest of relationships, I will say. It meant that I never wanted to let anybody know that I was, you know, having my period. It meant that I didn't really understand myself as much as I do now. Um and I will say that going into teaching and going into the pastoral side and having to learn and be a step ahead of the kids that I was teaching about sex and periods and that kind of thing, while well, I was ahead of year with a girls at a girls school, ahead of year at a boys' school. And having two daughters has meant that I learned as much as I could. And so, But sometimes I was teaching myself things that I should have known, I think, when I was growing up. So it made me more determined to ensure that my girls didn't grow up not knowing this stuff.
0: What sort of things did you have to teach yourselves? What sort of things did you do you think that you should have
1: known? I think I should have known mostly that my body isn't anything to be ashamed of. I think, you know, I think I should have learned about not just the anatomy stuff, you know, giving out a worksheet with the, you know, diagram on it and filling that in. I think it's more about how we feel as women and how powerful um, and important um, it is when you start your menstruation and what it means, you know, it's not just about, being a woman and therefore staying away from boys so that you don't get pregnant, it's much, it's much... I didn't understand the power that, you know, a period holds. And actually, I also didn't have... I had periods who were bed... Sorry, I had friends who were bedridden. I had friends who had really heavy periods moment. I had friends who had a terrible time. Actually, my periods were, on the whole, on um, came by clockwork. And lasted five days, which is quite fairly, you know. I'd have my day of eating all the carbs, forgetting that um, I'd have a week before where I cried if somebody looked at me, that I'd have the day before where I'd be eating all the carbs, completely forget that there was a reason for this. And then the next day my period would start and I'd be like, oh, that's why. And I'd have a day of feeling like around my abdomen and my lower back. And then I'd be fine, you know. So I forgot the question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. You so you didn't really have painful periods. You you're you had a little bit of emotional upset, like maybe a little twinge, and then it was it was absolutely fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would I would say it was just an inconvenience, if anything. Mm. Mm, but no, but it, not pain like i've spoken you know with about with my other friends and that kind of thing
0: you said that there you learned about the power of having a period what does that mean for you uh
1: the power of being a woman um when i was growing up being a girl wasn't something didn't feel like something to be celebrated not a girl sorry being a woman i liked being a girl but growing into womanhood wasn't really something you didn't see anywhere where that was celebrated unless it was the way you looked if that makes sense so if you looked had an hourglass figure or you would have flat stomach or had boobs or long flicky hair or that kind of thing um, you were celebrated that way that's what I saw but in terms of the power of being able to you know menstruation is a gateway to being able to give life that's a big deal that's a massive deal you didn't get that at all. It was, it was shame. You whispered it. You know, if you were at a party or at a friend's house and you came on and you didn't have tampons or pads, it was a whisper. It's like a scrabble around to find another woman who might possibly have something that they can lend to you. I remember an awful time. I still remember it, going to a barbecue in the height of the summer, wearing white, and someone, the woman, tapped me on the shoulder. And kind of came up close behind me and she said, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this, but I think you might have leaked. And how mortified I was that she'd noticed, which meant that somebody else probably noticed. And then worrying about how to, I wanted to go home and that oh, was awful, awful, awful. Or being, you're know, staying somewhere and leaking at night, leaking onto the sheets and not knowing how to explain that, even though it's a completely natural thing to do, you know? Awful.
0: Why do you think it was so mortifying? Why do you think at the time you found it so awful?
1: Because I'd been brought up to believe that bleeding was bad. I felt that, not brought up as in no one said that, but the messages I got were that being doing something natural was a bad thing and showing people that you were a human being and not perfect um, was a bad thing. So, yeah. And I was busy trying to cultivate this, you know, I look great. I know what I'm doing. Like most people do when they're in their, I don't know, well, a lot of women do all the time, Mm. but do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. 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 And what about now? How do you feel about all the changes that are happening now and how, how educated and empowered people with periods, women with periods feel, and all the
1: conversations that are happening about it? I feel... Okay, so I have two things to say about this. When, when I first noticed that uh, the world was talking more about uh, periods and I'd see like graphics of different, uh, different, like people talk, especially on Instagram. So people talking about periods, people talking about their flow, that kind of thing. I'm going to, I won't lie. I was quite taken aback. This is, you know, 50 years, remember, of upbringing. And I was like, Oh, you know, there's a part of me that was like, Oh, I don't want to see that. I, I can't, you know, and I would kind of scroll past or, But I have to say, it's my daughters who've educated me the most because, especially my youngest, they're they're, well, both of them, they're very open and vocal. And so they pull me up on, or educate me, I would say, not necessarily pull me up, they don't have to pull me up, but certainly, you know, we have much more open conversations about whether it's flow, whether it's anything to do with sex or stuff like that. Um, But it's taken me some time to... Is it just the right word? Unlearn, maybe unlearn my feelings of shame and recognise that the more people talk, the better it is. What everybody does naturally, um, it is better, and it's how I feel about. I suppose that's helped me to talk about um, menopause as well, in a sense, and ageing. Is that it's taken is lifted the veil off, you know, um, and that can only be a good thing.
0: Do you think what's happening with periods now and the openness that's happening around the conversations around menstrual cycles and menstruation is also happening with menopause or can you not compare the two?
1: Oh, you ca- I think you can compare the two because it all boils down to how women are shamed, full stop. That's what it boils down to. It boils down to society's expectations and um, of women. So it is the same thing. And I think, yes, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I was talking to somebody else about this recently, about how because our peers and the people we hang out with talk about the things that we want to talk about, it's easy to assume that everybody is talking about it. It's the Brexit effect. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, you know, London all the Londoners on the whole were like, yeah, we're never going to leave. And we're loading into a false sense of security. And then woke up on that Friday morning. Are you kidding me? Do you see? Mm. So, so there's part of me that's like, yes, more and more people are talking about it. And I agree. And you can compare it to menopause, but there's another part that's still having these conversations, you know, and being slightly trying not to be surprised when people don't know what I'm talking about or are like, Oh my God, people don't talk about this. And I'm thinking, well, I've been talking about it for ages. Do you see? So Mm. I I think, um, yes, more and more people are talking about it, but I'm thinking we've got a long way to go. There's a whole world to educate. Let's face it.
0: You said people, some people will say, Oh, people don't talk about this. Do you mean that in the sense that they're trying to get you to stop talking about it? Like it feels taboo to them or what does that mean?
1: No, it, it's, it's a positive thing. It's, I thought I was on my own that there's nothing better than a connection. When someone opens their mouth, whether it's about periods, whether it's about menopause, whether it's about mental well being, whether it's about anything, um, that, that shame eats us up. And so, and that, that, Feeling that you're alone is awful. So when you hear, when you see someone talking about something and it resonates with you, and then you can think, Oh my God, I'm, I'm not going mad or, Oh, somebody else has two week periods as well. Or, Oh, that happened to me. That is the most, uh, connecting and empowering thing, thing. I could have thought of a more intelligent word, but whatever that, people could do, particularly women, because we've been taught to keep it to ourselves. Does
0: that make sense? That makes total sense. And I remember in the past you said, you. so earlier on in this conversation, you said that you, you mentioned the word whispers. And in the past, you've talked about how you would have your friends over and you'd have conversations about menopause and everyone would start to open up and... Do you think those conversations sparked anything within you to take those conversations about men and powers a
1: bit wider and have them be a bit more open? Yeah, absolutely. I feel when I started, when did I have, so I had a, my first kind of, we called it self-care for midlife goddesses because I'm so up myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just invited five friends around because it occurred to me that I was going through menopause and I'm older than a few years older than some of my friends. And we were having individual conversations about how we felt, but not a group one. So I invited them round one Sunday afternoon and being the teacher I am, I did a worksheet. <laughs> everybody share around the table, best things about getting older, worst things about getting older. And this, it spot it was, it was an amazing Uh, day because the number of times I've lost count of the number of times one woman said something and another woman oh my god that's me too um and so I had it the following year and the following year my girls this year my girls said can we come because no one talks about these things so you know I'm in the middle of there's a couple of things I've had I have plans and that plan, one of those plans, one of those many plans is to take that conversation wider and, and open a group up, a membership site, but a group where women can not just talk about menopause, but talk about, just support each other in aging, in growing older. So it's not just for menopausal women, but also to break that taboo that I have to say that I've lost count of the number of conversations I've had with women who slipped, sent me an email or slipped into my DM saying, I think I'm going through menopause. I'm 37, you know, because there's this assumption that menopause, you don't have to worry about it till you get to 50. That's just not true. It just so happens that my menopause started at 52 as did my mother's, you know, and I was going through perimenopause, not even knowing what that was, and not even knowing um, that it was a thing actually. I'd never heard of the bloody thing, you know. So the same thing with periods, if young girls are hearing, if we normalize this conversation about our bodies, if we normal and and take away that, I suppose it's because we sexually, the society has a habit of sexualizing everything, which is why it feels like you can't talk about it. If we take away that, if we take sexual sex out of the equation, then and we're just talking about natural things that happen to us, then that's gotta be a good thing. No one should suffer alone. That sounds like a quote, doesn't it? Probably is. But yeah, no one it, it it's it's not to be suffered with. And menstruation, menstruation isn't a bad thing. And and not everybody has the same symptoms, same as menopause. Not everybody has the same symptoms, you know, so Yeah, we absolutely need to talk about it. And yes, I do want to take it wider. I won't shut up about menopause in particular. Of course.
0: You said that you, in that circle, the conversations that you were having uh, with the worksheet, which I love, I love that.
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) that
0: You asked what the best and the worst thing was about getting older. What sort of things came up?
1: So the best thing was about not caring what other people thought. You that it menopause is great for that it's it, it's, just, it's that you know not giving a shittery moment it's like i don't care what you think of me it's it's liberating um and i think to a degree to a woman that's what people were saying the worst things there's a list as long as your arm you know it's changing bodies it's uh your you know it's not realizing What's going on in your head? It's um, it's all the physical stuff, and it, and hot flushes are only one of those things. You know, it's nights where it's it's tingly legs. I could go on and on and on, but more, and also tinged with that is shame because there's that whole well, if you started menopause, that means that you're a certain age, and we are not. Women are not rewarded for getting older. Men are, but women aren't on the whole. And although fashion and parts of society are kind of try catching up. The cynic in me thinks they're catching up because they've worked out that there's money to be made um, as opposed to caring about us basically. So I feel that, yeah. So yeah, the biggest thing was how liberating it was not caring, but you know, you get to 50, you've been on the world, you've been on the earth for 50 years, you're knackered and (laughs) and you give, you're absolutely knackered. You give and you give and you give. It's no coincidence that one of the biggest growing demographics of small businesses are women over fifty. It's like we have this epiphany. It's like, effort it, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I left teaching my teaching career when I was fifty two. I'm not and I'm not the only person who's kind of like, you know what, I don't want to do anything. It's people who leave abusive relationships. It's all sorts of things. But the other side to that is there are millions of women suffering part of the reason they're suffering is because they think they're alone and i'm here to tell you them that they're not
0: what would be your message so do you want to tell these women they're not alone and what would be how would you build how would you expand upon that message to reassure them and to help them connect with others who are in the same sort of situation
1: i would say And this is easier said than done. The first thing to do is let go of the need to be young. Being young is great, but being old is getting older is also great. Menopause isn't something that lasts for a year and you get over it. It's a whole transition to another life. So rather than thinking, how am I going to get through this? It's how am I going to thrive during this? Do you see? Because mm. otherwise you're, you're waiting until, well, you could be waiting till you're 65. That's long. 65, 67. Because menopause is longer. So rather than putting 10 years of your life on hold, why not work out ways? And by work out ways, I mean, it's not just the physical stuff. It's the whole package. So it's working at doing new things. But the biggest thing I will say is talking. Talk, me opening my mouth has allowed me to like different things happen every day so at the moment I have a thing going on with mouth ulcers apparently it's a thing the the lack of estrogen in your mouth means we don't produce enough saliva you know all this stuff I don't know Mm -hmm. anyway but instead of me thinking my life is over and oh my god you know it's just its just another thing. It's actually quite fascinating because I didn't know all this stuff. Um, but I, I, I think my message to find someone to talk to, to not be ashamed, to embrace your change in body, to be grateful to... I'm grateful to my body for carrying my two children. You know, I do that whole was it the mindful shower where I'm thanking my feet for allowing me to stand in the queue at the post office so that you know little things like that that help you to enjoy everything that menopause is going to throw at you I will also say that whilst there are many women who uh reach for HRT I think the doctors seem to be pushing that that's not my thing personally I think women also need to know that HRT doesn't stop menopause. It just pauses it. And then it comes when you stop. And, it, and whilst it does have health risks, if we can do this naturally, as I say, I'm not knocking anybody who does it because that's your thing and that's your journey. But if you can try and do that naturally, and that's about, it's about lifestyle, it's about diet, it's all sorts of things, then um, for me, that's the way forward. But the biggest thing is open your mouth. That's what I think
0: you said so many beautiful things that <laughs> I think the the transing menopause a transition to another life, and I love looking that at at menopause as a phase of life. We talk about puberty um, and then if for women who choose to become mothers, you know that 's a phase of life, and then menopause being another phase of life, and I think that's a really powerful way of looking at it because so many women, they do look at it as, as as the end, you know, the end of their fertility, end of their womanhood. And, you know, they call themselves being dried up and it's so, it's so negative and it's just, it's so detrimental for mental well, well well-being when you think about yourself like that.
1: I will say that I, you know, when you're 20, you think 50 is dead. I'm 57, and I have done more in the last five years than I've done in, I would say, a lifetime. Um, you know, I mean, really, if I think about it, I left. You know, I've, I've, I feel that um, menopause and growing older and embracing this stage of my life has meant that it's like, well, I've got nothing to lose. You know, if I've lived those 52 years, I can, I can do the next. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Um, And it's not just about, yes, there is a sense of urgency as well. I'm closer to death than I'm, you know, not. But at the same time, it's also about appreciating my experience, you know, appreciating the skills you have, appreciating the wisdom you have. Just as we get to a stage where we've got so much to offer, it almost feels like we should, we're encouraged to kind of be a little bit quieter. But actually, this is where I found my voice um and and so it's a time to experiment it's a time I mean what have you got to lose do you understand Mm -hmm. um I know not everybody thinks like that but I I really do want to reassure women that it's not the end it's the beginning of something else and it's more fun because you don't care (laughs) 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 that's what yeah so I, I, I I recognize that I'm having an easier time than most physically. I understand that. I recognise the privilege in that. Please don't get me wrong. But I, I tell everybody, my clients, you know, I had a client come to me a couple of weeks ago, potential client who is now a client, and we were having a conversation. I always ask my clients, what do you love about your body? And what is it that you're not so? And they are always very vocal on what they don't love. And this particular woman was talking about how she wanted to lose weight for her wedding and people were saying to her she should lose weight for her wedding. And of course, that sent me into orbit, didn't it? Because I'm like, mm-hmm. why? 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 Your your partner fell in love with you based on the, look, the way you look now. So, it, it, you know, embracing the way you look and accentuating your gorgeous body, she didn't see it that way. You know, I think that uh, women just we just need to understand how bloody remarkable we are, you know, and, 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 and I think that starts, I think it's important that the younger generation have that now. So they don't have to go. So by the time they hit menopause, it's just, they've got that mindset already. What's difficult is that we're unlearning. My generation is unlearning a lot of things. Whereas I think the people coming up, if we are talking about it, that it makes it easier for the generation below and easier for the generations that they birth. Brap, Sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Yeah, that's what I think.
0: If you could say one thing to listeners, to the generation below and like Gen millennials, Gen, Gen Z, what would you say to them? Oh, my God. I don't
1: know. Um, let go of everybody's expectations of you. That's what I, I, that's what I would say. I think we, I know this isn't one thing, but I'm going to expand our downfall, men and women, but we're talking about women, is that we do what we think we're supposed to do instead of doing what is in our heart. And that makes us ill. And that permeates everything. It, it fits, you know, you thought I was going to say where you were happy, with, didn't you? But that's part of it. Wearing, you know, clothes that you love and not worrying about whether you're in fashion or whether it suits you, whatever that means, or whether someone will fancy you, is part of the letting go of other people's expectations of you. So it does fit, sort of.
0: That I think that's really beautiful. You've said so many beautiful things. And I just... I. Th- I just love you. I think you're amazing. <laughs> and you're such a wonderful role model. Um, where can listeners find out more about what you're up to, what you're, what you're planning?
1: I think the best thing to do is to uh, join my mailing list and you can do so if you're an Instagram fanatic that I am. Uh, you could go to my, the link in my bio, you can do that or go onto my website, Um redskin.co.uk double d is what I'm going to say to that r-e-d-d-s-k-i-n I'm very active on social media so I guess that's the best place to find me but certainly my mailing list is, is the way forward
0: and all the links will be in the show notes thank you so much Karen for coming on the show today
1: thank you, thank you so much for inviting me
0: For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Linise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.